nearly 10 years since my burnout experience and I believe that it wasn't necessary for me to burn out and it's not necessary for you either. In this podcast, my guests and I share our real life experiences with burnout. We get into the science of stress and share actionable tips on how to prevent burnout and how to recover from it. I'm Hannah Holden, ex-management consultant and burnout survivor. I work with management consultants to help them avoid and overcome burnout. I help them to get intentional about their choices, rebuild their energy and embed new healthy habits so that they can get back to loving life. Welcome back. I kicked off this podcast series with a description of why I want to talk about stress, so why I created this podcast in the first place. And in that first episode, I described my experience with burnout back in 2013, and I described what that looked like for me. Now, at the time I was working in a consultancy, I was working across both UK and international clients. Uh, I could talk about my workload and so on. And it would be very easy to get into a um, kind of blame mindset about all of the things that could have been better. Um, And certainly I do think that I could have received better support in that organisation and that we could have been doing more strategic things to manage workload more evenly across the team. But this burnout of mine didn't come out of the blue and wasn't created by that role. This had been brewing for years and it started long before I joined that organisation. So my burnout was in 2013, but I want to share with you where I was four years earlier in 2009. And back then, I went to a homeopath and I was seeking help because I'd been experiencing recurrent infections um, and I kept being given antibiotics and um, then, of course, the antibiotics wreak havoc with your microbiome and then you end up in this kind of cycle of um, wiping out all of your natural bacteria and then welcoming in the next infection. And that's exactly the cycle that I found myself in. Um, And I wanted to break that cycle. So I, uh, and and these infections, some of them were serious. I ended up in A&E at one point. Um, So I wanted to to break that cycle. But also uh, another symptom that was showing up for me was that I quite badly sprained my ankle uh, a few months beforehand. And initially for the first maybe three weeks, it recovered quite rapidly, made good progress. I was able to walk on it again. But then the healing just plateaued and it stopped getting better. And whilst I could walk on it and it had got a whole lot better than it was, I, I couldn't go back to, let's say, running. Uh, it, you know, and I kept feeling it, it. It wasn't comfortable when caught at an angle, etc. So this ankle should have carried on healing, but it hadn't. And I wanted to also look at why wasn't it continuing to get better. So when I went to this homeopath, she asked me lots of questions. She asked me questions about my health, my habits, my life. She was taking a very holistic view of where I was. Um, And then she explained to me that there was very little support that she could offer me if I continued to run my life in the way that I was. And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Um, I felt really surprised. I felt let down. Um, I felt because I was reaching out to somebody and I was being told, we can't help you because of the choices you're making. I felt really frustrated. Why, you know, why won't she help me? Um, And then I felt judged. Like she's telling me that the way that I'm choosing to live my life isn't, uh, isn't what she believes is the right way. 
And I felt, yeah, frustrated. Can't she just see that this is how my life has to be? This is how I have to run my life in order for it to be successful. There isn't another way for me. This is it. Um, it wasn't so long beforehand that I'd bought a flat and I had my first mortgage. And so I was thinking, how else am I supposed to be successful? Successful in my job and therefore pay my mortgage. And this is just how I have to run my life. Her words effectively fell on deaf ears. I just simply didn't compute that things could be any other way. Um, and I just walked away feeling judged, misunderstood, unsupported. Um, at the time, my role was something vague like project management support. But the reality of that role was that I was man-marking the project manager and all of the resources on that project plan. Um, by the time I was brought in to support this project, there was zero contingency left on the plan. They had had uh, a number of delays and they just couldn't afford any more. At this point, even a couple of hours worth of slippage had knock-on consequences. So everything had to run like clockwork because as soon as something didn't run like clockwork, it was a, a delay that was noticed across the programme and caused escalations. Careers were on the line. It was a very public go-live of a nationwide service. And um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a tense environment to be in. So I spent every day chasing people, checking that everybody was doing what the project plan said they should be, which wasn't always the case, uh, making sure that all the prerequisites were, were considered for upcoming tasks. So I would be checking in with people who had activities coming up on the plan in the next few days or the next week and making sure that anything that they needed in advance of that was all in place so that they had the access that they needed in order to be able to execute on their responsibilities and so on. So, um, and also then of course addressing any obstacles, so any challenges that came up, make sure that those were all being addressed. To say that deadlines were tight is just an understatement. We had zero contingency and nothing could move on that plan. It had, it had to all work like clockwork. Um, yeah, and we weren't, we weren't going to be doing any more replans because um, with that, <laughs> the program director um, was pretty clear that we just, we, we just couldn't be, we couldn't have slippage and we couldn't have replans and um, any escalations were pretty severe uh, immediately. So I used to stay up late um, at night and then every morning I would really struggle to get up. Now, the office was only about maybe 20 minutes or so from my flat and it would still be tight for me getting in to the office on time because I would just, I would stay in bed as late as I possibly could and then, you know, I don't know how many times press the, the snooze button and then race around to try and get there. Um, breakfast was always on the fly, normally a large coffee and a pastry on the way to my desk. And then once I got to my desk, I just entered flat out adrenaline mode for the rest of the day. Um, lunch breaks, um, well, and lunch uh, didn't really happen. Sometimes I'd go out for a coffee and a cake in the afternoons when we kind of hit a lull in activity around two or three in the afternoon. Um, and then at the end of the day, you know, maybe six o'clock, I'd head home. And then I would frequently be eating dinner at my desk. I'd spend my evenings um, in the peace and quiet of the flat doing the admin for the project, updating the project plan, um, producing reports. Um, I did do things for myself. So I was attending the gym regularly, but when I did go to the gym, I would be pushing myself really hard. Um, and I remember after one personal training session, I pushed myself so hard, encouraged by my personal trainer, 
Um, but yeah, I pushed myself so hard that um, it was a boxing session. I, I couldn't pick up a bag, like a carrier bag of food for about two days afterwards because my muscles were just um, that uh, exhausted afterwards. Um, at night, I didn't really want to go to bed. I actively avoided going to bed. So even when all the work was done, I would just find things to potter or perhaps I'd watch a bit of TV um, or flick through Facebook. I would do things to distract me. It, it wasn't that I was distracted and then forgot to go to bed until late. I actively avoided going to bed. I didn't want to go to bed. And I once admitted um, to somebody that the reason that I didn't want to go, that I, I stayed up so late was that I just dreaded the mornings. I dreaded the sound of the alarm clock and that feeling of, oh God, I've got to do it all over again. Um, and so, yeah, I would delay going to bed because it felt like that would delay the, the sound of the alarm and the having to get up and do it all over again. Um, <clears throat> that mindset now is, an, is a complete anathema to me because I'm, an, I'm now an early to bed and early up and I look forward to my mornings because I try and get up before the rest of the household and that's when I get to do my yoga and my meditation. And um, So for me now, I look forward to the mornings and that, that little bit of peace and quiet that I get before the day starts. But Back then, that was not something I did. I, I dabbled in yoga, and although I'd been on a meditation course and I knew damn well how to meditate, I just couldn't be bothered. Uh, it wasn't a priority for me at the time. I was 29 years old, and I just thought this was simply how things were, that I was strong, and yeah, I was, I was fine. So over the years... Um, so we started with those early symptoms of these recurrent infections and an injury that was slow to recover. This is four years before burnout. And then other, other symptoms started showing up. So I became increasingly focused on work. And then sometimes I'd really struggle to sit still at my desk and I would distract myself and I would just, my mind would be on too many things all at once and I'd find it really difficult to focus. Um, I already described that I was skipping meals then and I continued to do that so breakfast was not a serious meal and lunch was barely a serious meal um, yeah, and sometimes dinner was pizza at my desk so I was hardly putting good nutrition into, me, into myself a lot of the time. Um, with that constant anxiety and constant like mind chatter of trying to think of all these things it's not surprising that I ended up in these mental loops of worry mostly related to work I was on this constant adrenaline high and of course with that comes the sleepless nights and then withdrawing from social events. Um, I developed adult acne uh, a couple of years later um, which is also associated with um, stress causing an imbalance in the body and I really wouldn't often give myself the luxury of slow days. I, I didn't really give myself that much time off or time out um, so I wasn't I wouldn't say I was completely neglecting self-care, but it certainly wasn't a priority. And all of this was visible years before my burnout. Um, so my burnout came four years after that homeopath considered me a lost cause. Somehow she could see the warning signs. She could see the underlying cause of all of my symptoms that I was talking to her about. She could see that my daily schedule, um, how I was consuming food and drink, and how my beliefs and my behavior were affecting my well-being. Um, and I guess I, I might have been able to see a little bit of that, 
but really I had no idea. And, and even if I was aware, I chose to ignore it um, because I didn't see that there could be any other way. Um, it wasn't so long after speaking to that homeopath that I then went to see an acupuncturist about my ankle. Now she was a little more gentle in her feedback to me um, and I'm not criticizing the homeopath here because she was just calling a spade a spade and I was not ready to hear that message but the way that the acupuncturist explained things to me I was able to listen to, I was able to take on board more of what she was trying to say. So the acupuncturist explained that I could be eating the most amazing diet and still my body wouldn't be able to extract all of the goodness and nutrition from it if I didn't rest and digest. And if I was constantly eating my food whilst running between meetings or running to my desk or whilst literally at my desk doing work with food in one hand and the other hand on the mouse, my digestive system was not going to be getting the blood that it needed in order to be properly digesting my food um, because I was in stress response and the digestive system is deprioritized when you're in when you're high on cortisol and adrenaline. Um, so therefore my body wasn't getting the nutrients it needed in order to mend the ankle which is why this delayed recovery was showing up. So I did hear what she had to say. I was really shocked to think that the way that I was working was the cause of my ankle and that my stress levels were the cause of problems with my ankle. I just, I had never seen the link before. So I did hear what she said and I, I did um, make some changes. So I did give up caffeine at that time and I even took some time off work the following year. Um, I did a massage diploma and we went traveling. But when I went back to, when I returned home, I returned to work a different role, um, but I went back to my, my old ways of working and, and my ways of being and ways of living. Um, I was just wired to be a perfectionist, a high performer, a go-getter, a problem solver. And that's how I saw myself. You know, I really identified with being, with that being my role, with that being who I was. So... I was somebody that created top quality products, um, that created, uh, that with amazing productivity um, and, you know, somebody who can solve problems, somebody who when you give a problem to, you can rest assured it will be resolved. Um, yeah, I, I saw myself as that and therefore my identity was caught up in being this way. And I would set extremely high expectations of myself. I expected nothing but the best uh, in terms of my output and in terms of the my performance. Um, and I think that some of these are the underlying attributes of people who are at risk of burnout. So people who are perfectionists, people who are used to being high performers, who really identify with being that performer and and therefore keep pushing themselves and the more problems that they get the more problems they have to solve because they see themselves as that problem solver and if they're not good at this then who are they and what are they good at so i think that some of what i'm describing um, these underlying kind of characteristics are true for many people who experience burnout and so ultimately i hit rock bottom in 2013 and that's what episode one is all about but this episode is about spotting the warning signs of potential burnout earlier than I did. And so here are some of the warning signs that you're getting closer than you might like to to the flame. Um, 
repetitive and self-destructive behaviors let's start with that one so for me I could spend hours just wasting time in the mirror um, staring in the mirror like pulling out gray hairs or plucking my eyebrows and if I'd run out of things to do there then I would start picking at something else like I, I could spend I could lose hours in this activity but other examples for other people might be nail biting or constantly checking the same thing checking that they've done something or checking that something is as it should be fiddling with things that might be you know your hair or it might be your clothing it's likely to be part of you rather than objects but it could be objects as well picking at your skin other self-destructive behaviors are more more obvious so alcohol drugs although it might not be obvious because um, you know, many people are high-performing on said drugs and alcohol. Um, just not looking after yourself or the way that you might like to or, or even potentially actively harming yourself. So ways that examples from me was the example where, you know, I went, to, I went training at the gym and I overworked myself. Um, and I, I used to enjoy the level of uh, almost pain that I would get from the physical exertion um, it was a distraction from the stress <clears throat> and and so obviously that that can go further into into actual harm self-harm um, and I think Phil uh, Stanley talked on episode five about how he kind of disguised some of his um, self-destructive behavior as as fasting but in fact he was really just starving himself um, so listen to that episode if that's something that you wanted to um, dig into a bit more. And then let's talk about freaking out over the little things. So um, Brené Brown uh, calls this chandeliering. So uh, I, you jump so high that you hit the chandelier. Um, this is where your response is disproportionate to the event. So you erupt um, and you don't really recognize your behavior. Um, I think that this can happen to any one of us. We're not, it's not unique to somebody who's close to burnout um, but it does suggest that the stress levels are beyond your kind of capacity to deal with um, and so that for me would be a sign that you do need to step back a little and think about how am I going to um, how am I going to process the stress that I feel in my body and if you want more on that one then episode two of this podcast is all about ways that you can um, process stress let's talk about withdrawing so I used to use work as an excuse to hide from the rest of my life. Um, and then because I was spending so much time and energy on work, the rest of my life ended up looking pretty empty. And so it was this kind of cycle of if I don't invest in other areas of my life, they're not going to look so great. If I don't invest in living in a new area and meeting new people, then I'm not going to have a great social life. Um, and so when I did try and step away from my desk, I didn't really, you know, there wasn't anything to step to. So yeah, that was a cycle. Um, yeah, and then people can withdraw from any of that. They can withdraw from their hobbies, um, social events, um, just, you know, another example might be somebody who just wants to watch TV and eat ice cream all night rather than spend time with anybody else. Um, and a, and a big one on the burnout curve, I think, is where your body starts showing symptoms. Your body does show you that something's not okay. So when you begin to feel uh, exhausted, out of whack. Um, so for me, examples of where I should have seen this coming 
the recurrent infections, the sprained ankle that wasn't getting better. These are examples of your body just not being able to cope with the level of um, with the the chronic stress. Really, it's not just the extent of the daily stress, but the fact that this had become chronic at this point. So you might have lingering illness, you might have repetitive infections, you might have chronic pain or injuries that aren't healing. Um, and I later went on to develop adult acne, as I mentioned earlier, which is also linked to stress. I now know that, as the acupuncturist explained, we need to shift our nervous system out of that go, go, go mode, which is effectively that fight and flight mode where we're pumping our body with cortisol and adrenaline. Um, and we need to shift it into our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest system. And we need to do this for many reasons. Um, it's, it's good to practice, consciously practice some deep breathing exercises before you eat, for example. Um, but also just to, it's really handy to have some quick tips for how you can create calm instantly in a moment when you need it. And I've got, I've created a free PDF. I'll share the link in the show notes that gives you a few different, uh, they're kind of hacks really, or techniques to use to switch on that parasympathetic nervous system. Now, they're, they're really helpful in the moment, but I think that if you're somebody that's heading towards burnout, you're going to need something more than just some um, breathing techniques to be able to break those workaholic tendencies. But at least this is a start, right? It'll help you get calmer and it'll help you get more aware of how you are and where you are. And I also hope that this episode has been helpful for those of you who might recognize some of those symptoms and be able to do something about um, where you're headed uh, before you hit the wall of burnout um, like I did. Please do get in touch if you have any questions about anything I've covered here or about how to avoid burnout or how to recover from burnout. I will share my contact details in the notes. As always, thank you for listening. Please do leave a review and remember to subscribe um, to this podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And on that note, I will speak to you next time. Thanks for listening. These podcasts are here to help you manage your stress and burnout and your feedback is really valuable. So please rate this podcast and also drop me a note with any questions, suggestions or feedback that you might have. One of the most common questions I get asked is where should I start? And I believe that the best place for you to start is to learn how to soothe your nervous system. I've created a free download with instructions for five different ways that you can do just this and all of them work pretty much instantly. It's called the Essential Toolkit for Management Consultants. You can download it now at www.hannaholden.co.uk forward slash essential. One last thing, it's the legal language. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of your doctor, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional.